1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table.
0: All right, welcome back, friends, to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my co-host, Jalen, and it's just great to hang out and talk ministry have you been? What's what have you been up to this week? So our kids are on spring
1: break this week, and so uh, Jenny also because she works at the school that our kids go to. So that's been that's been nice. We've been hanging out. Haven't done too much. We did go to the beach, uh, and here in Chicago we have Lake Michigan, and so uh, it's a nice it's a nice beach here. Uh, it's on um, it's actually in Evanston that we go to, the beach that we go to, and it was seventy degrees the day that we went, which is unusually, unusually uncommonly warm for this time of year uh, because it's going to be in the 30s this weekend. <laughs> and so it was, you know, for us, it was great that we got to go out there and just play in the sand and uh, just be by the water, uh, worked on Jackson's basketball, uh, sorry, volleyball skills a little bit. So that was fun. And just generally, it was good. And then afterwards, we got uh, smoothies from Joye's. Mm. and uh called it a day so that's that was fun yeah sounds like a fun time it was yeah it was good and then later this weekend actually we're going to take my mom and um my brother's family uh to a home on a lake uh an airbnb just to hang out and uh celebrate my mom's birthday so that'll kind of wrap up our spring break
0: time but yeah how are you doing good to see you i'm doing well that that uh Lake House trip sounds like a lot of fun. Reminds me a lot of days gone by uh, when we we're much younger and hanging out at your parents Lake House. So um, I've been good. You know, something interesting this week is that our, our church normally we have staff meeting on Tuesday mornings. Uh, it's the start of the, the church week for us. And so we gather for a few hours in the morning um, to pray, to cast vision, to kind of talk about ministry. You know all the the normal things that you would do for a staff meeting. Um, But on Wednesday mornings, we have something which we call family time, which is a a time that's designated for our church staff to come together. And from what I've been told or maybe learned recently is actually for us to have fun together. And and so each week a different member of the staff is assigned the task of planning for family time. And so some week we play games, other week we might share, um, you know, Stories about ourselves or about our, from our own lives, you know, answering some sort of, of discussion question um, that's more geared to just learn more about each other, not necessarily from a ministry perspective. But this past Wednesday, we decided. Well, um, the person that planned our our uh, staff family time decided he wanted to to have us do a ramen cook-off, and so everyone was given the instruction of basically all I had to do was come up with a bowl of ramen that we were going to feed to uh, a college student and um the college students were going to judge which one was their favorite one and so all these college kids are on spring break right now so they came to church to join us and our whole pastoral staff we split into four teams and every team made their own ramen so it was a lot of fun uh i am proud to say that my team did win uh the competition and i think the secret ingredient for, for that that got us the win was I put a little pat of Irish butter into each bowl. And so it just made it a little bit more creamy. And uh, and delicious, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, good time. That was very interesting. I saw <laughs> I saw
1: your post on Instagram about that, and uh, I was instantly hungry when I saw it. So
0: very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was just a package of uh, instant ramen, but we added some toppings on it. So, but it was a fun time to hang out with the staff together and do something out of the ordinary and fun, and, and then also hang out with a few of the college kids who came by. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, uh, another funny or interesting thing is that um, this week is the start of the the fantasy basketball playoffs. And I'm actually playing our guest for tonight in the playoffs right now, Um, like as we speak, we're about halfway through the matchup through the week and he is killing me right now. I think it's six to three. Um, So I'm hoping hoping for a turnaround by the end of the weekend, but I I don't know. Uh, But I'll let you introduce our guest because even though I have known him for a very long time, you have known him for just a few, uh, at least one more year than I have. So that's right. Our guest today
1: is my brother, Ethan Chan. He's a staff worker with the Navigators. He is also the father of my four nephews. And so uh, that's something that we're going to talk about and explore a little bit today. And so, Ethan, good to have you on. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys and hang out and chat.
0: Yeah, it's great having you on here, Ethan. I think when we were a long time ago when Jalen and I were planning. For this podcast, we did we put your name on on our list of uh, possible guests, but I think we've been saving you for the right topic and the right moment. And and I really think that our topic for today is going to be interesting to our listeners. It's definitely interesting to me, having uh, known both of you and knowing your families. But before we get to that topic, uh, we love to hear. Um, and we want our, our listeners really to hear the stories and journeys of those who are joining us on our podcast. So could you just briefly share with us, what's been your ministry journey? How did God call you into ministry? Uh, what are you, what are you up to right now?
2: Yeah. Um, I would say it really did start probably when I was like six or seven years old uh, and hearing about the story of Jim Elliot. So we went to a Christian school and in kindergarten, um, they were telling us, the teacher was telling us the story of Jim Elliot. And there's a missionary, he went overseas to where you, where you went, John, a while ago in Ecuador, and him and four of his friends were killed there. And as a kindergarten, you're just shocked at this story. And then the teacher was saying, as they continued on, after these missionaries were killed, there was angels. that were rejoicing in the trees, and the Aka Indians saw that. And it was it was uh, noted in, in movies and books and everything like that. But as a or six year old, I was like, I really want to see angels. And I was like, if I want to see angels, I got to be a missionary. So at that point, I remember um, at at CCUC it was Reverend Yim at that time. So I went and went to him and I said, Hey, I want to be a missionary. And so ever ever since then, whenever he saw me, he's like, Hey, missionary, hey little missionary. Uh, so that's always stuck with me. And um, that's it's just something that that I've always wanted to do. And as I grew to understand what it really meant, it just was more uh, appealing and, and really sensing like God pushing, pushing this on in my mind, in my heart, you know, going in that direction. And so originally it was, man, I want to follow the path of Jim Elliott. I want to go to the jungles of wherever and the the hardest Places to go, the least reached areas, um, you know, that vision of just a small candle in a dark cave and just how much light that that illuminates, just a small flicker of light illuminating in the darkest places. I was like, God, bring us, bring me wherever it's the darkest place. And so, uh, first year at Moody is when 9 11 happened. And I remember at that moment at in, in our dorm building, John Dryer. Everyone was just standing there, just jaws to the floor, of what happened. And I remember the aftermath of that, of all the people, just the Islamophobia, the hate, the anger. And I just remember the words Jesus saying, "We have to go love our enemies." And I was thinking, if if these are our enemies, or if this is what people were thinking, this is our enemies. I was like, "That's where we need to go. That's where we have to show love." Uh, and so. God just brought us into kind of the Muslim world connected with the navigators after I finished at Moody um, did some work with Muslim ministries and refugees in the North side of Chicago. In 2010, we went overseas to the Horn of Africa to work with Somalis uh, where there almost five years had to come back. We had some health issues in the family. And then ever since coming back in 2015, we've actually been connecting a lot more with believers from Muslim backgrounds and the heart behind all this and, and the navigators is discipleship and seeing generations, spiritual generations of people coming into the kingdom of God and passing on um, the way of Christ, the way of Jesus. And so that's kind of where we're at. That's where um, Annie and I, I'm a wife, four kids. That's kind of where, what we're doing living life with people uh, among us, around us, connecting with refugees and asylum seekers. And God's really brought a lot of different believers from Muslim backgrounds from all over the world into our lives.
1: Yeah, I know that anybody who spends even five minutes with you will recognize that discipleship is such a core part of not just your vocation, but just your life. And I think that, you know, spending time with you and your family you're immediately bringing others who you're ministering and serving um, into into your life, and into you know I've met countless people just you know as we're having family dinners together, right? And they just stop by, or you'd invite somebody over, and I think that's something that is so uh, apparent and and wonderful about the things that you guys are doing. But I kind of want to steer the conversation. Um, because uh, I know we could probably spend a lot more time talking about MBVs, mis- you know, um, yeah. Muslim background believers, but I want to steer the conversation more towards just home life, right? Because discipleship mm-hmm. is not just again core to your vocation, but it's core to your home life, raising four boys. Um, and we want to talk about that, uh, just just discipleship in the home. Share what discipleship looks like in your
2: household and with with your four boys. I think this is something that's been growing, evolving, changing a lot of trial and error of how do we raise our four boys and how do we become disciples and following the way of Jesus, the path of Christ. Um, And we've been really fortunate in our, in our faith community, we have a Messianic rabbi. Uh, So he was trained in rabbinical teaching um, in the Jewish way of life. And there's so much value in, how the jews practice their faith because everything is revolving around the children um this is not my quote but i remember reading somewhere that there's basically two great commissions we know the one in Matthew that's matthew 28 18 through 20 go and make disciples of all nations the second one or the first one is deuteronomy 6 hero israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind And then it says to teach these things, these laws to your children, put them on the frontlets of your heads, on your arms, on your doorposts. And later on it says, and when your children ask you, why do we do these things? Then you tell them about how you've been rescued from Egypt in the land of Egypt. And so, so much of how God established the Jewish family I think is so much how, how we want to practice. Cause that's something that he brought. That's something that he instituted for family life and how it was constant reminders for um, the family, the family of God at that time, the Israelites. And so there's two specific things that I would say that we really try to focus on, focus on. And one is belonging. And number two is connection and, and discipleship. So belonging, number one, belonging to the family of God, belonging to the kingdom of God, and then belonging to one another as family. Uh, And then number two is connection. Connection first with God, and then connection with one another. Uh, Our kids connecting with us as parents. Um, And so, you know, we've just been trying to practice different rhythms, different ways of focusing on belonging, focusing on connection, focusing on what does it look like to practice the way of Jesus, which is love? You know, that's fundamentally uh, one of the things that we have been doing is practicing Sabbath, uh, very similar to how a Jewish family would do Sabbath or they call it Shabbat together. And so the, the Jewish kind of day begins at uh, sundown. It goes from sundown on um, Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening. And so that's something that we practice. We, we set aside this day and say, this is our time. This is a day set aside as holy, right? That's, you know, being set apart. And a lot of the Jews would say, imagine for you, you Christians having Christmas, that feeling of Christmas day coming, the anticipation, the eagerness, the joy of having Christmas, but you're doing that 52 times a year, hmm. And so that's kind of the mindset that we really try to bring to our kids is how do we create this environment, this atmosphere where Shabbat or Sabbath is like having Christmas 52 times a year. And so um, we, do, we do our Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, we, we, we have a huge dinner, whatever the kids like. You know, we, we, we make that dinner, get it prepared, have a nice table set up. We light candles. And the candles, you know, that's something the Jewish tradition does to remind the children of creation. And then for believers, it's to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. And so it's both. We're reminding our kids this candle is creation. When God created the world, first thing was he created light. He spoke light into darkness. And then we extend that on to saying, Jesus is the light of the world. He's entered into darkness. And so it's, it's, it's from the beginning going to Jesus. And then now it's, you know, how it constantly evolves. And so now we, I I go out and get flowers as a part of creation to think about creation. So we kind of have that as a centerpiece. We have a big meal together. And then honestly, I turn off my phone for that entire Sabbath day because man, we are so distracted with our phones. And so my kids do it because they like doing that. They see dad on the phone a lot. And so I'm like, who wants to turn off the phone? So they turn off the phone and then um, that's part of, you know, our Sabbath. So we have that dinner together and I don't know, this might get me in trouble, but one of the things we also do is we do communions together. Uh, For those of you guys are out there, I am a commissioned minister of the gospel. (laughs) Um, But hey, anyone could do it for, you know, where, where I stand is any, you know, anyone can do it with the right heart and mind. And so we do communion together with our children. We take the bread, we take the cup, we talk not only about Jesus, but we talk all the way back to Moses and in the Passover. Um, You know, one of the Jewish things, one of the things the rabbi has taught us is that every Jewish person, they really truly believe Moses, Abraham, these patriarchs, Adam, like these are their forefathers. These were their, you know, their their ancestors, and as as believers now, even though we're Gentiles, we've been grafted into that. So that when we sing the song Father Abraham, that's true, and what that does is it creates belonging, it creates a a, um, a track of ancestry all the way back to Adam, that we belong to this, and so that's something we're really trying to push in our kids. Like we belong, all the way back. We can trace it all the way back to Adam. And so when you, when people question you, why do you believe what you believe we trace from Jesus all the way back to Adam, you know? And so that's, that's a big part of what we do, um, in doing communion. And it's, it's great. I mean, it's so much fun when my four-year-old, you know, takes the bread, takes the grape juice, not wine yet. (laughs) And he says to his brother, you know, four-year-old, this is Christ's body given for you. This is Christ's blood given for you i mean i just say that i'm just like man it's so it's so good to see that and it's 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 beautiful um and so we practice that you know every week you know we have that feeling and then and then sunday mornings what we do is we we have a huge pancake breakfast tons of sugar because i learned from the jewish community what they did the fathers would give each kid a spoonful of honey to help them remind them that this is the sweetest day. And so we do that with our kids. Instead of honey, we're just like, we're doing pancakes. We're doing pancakes or waffles or donuts, something super sweet. Um, Just to remind them, Hey, this is the, this is the sweetest day. And then part of that Sabbath, we, we also ask the kids in the morning, Hey, how do you guys want to connect with God today? So we give them an option. Of, of how they want to connect with God. So some of them have done things where they listen to music. Uh, they go off and listen to music. Some of them have gone off to read. Some of them go draw. We've gone on walks together, family walks together. Um, you know, one of them has taken a bath, you know, I uh, just, just helping them to think, Hey, you guys can also connect with God and we want to create that space for you and give that space for you on how to connect with God. And, and that's something that, that we've just been learning and trying to do. Um, and then we sing the blessing to one another. You know, I think the blessing during COVID has been just a song that I think has really encouraged and strengthened a lot of people. And so we sing the blessing to each other, um, you know, to every single one of the kids, just helping them to know that, that we're blessing one another. And so, yeah, those two things, you know, building belonging, building connection, um, and ultimately saying that you belong to the family of God. Because I think that's, that's the challenge now is people are just craving belonging. And so we really want our kids to know that they belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus together, uh, that we belong to a bigger family, family of God. So those are, yeah, those are so, so for some of the things there um, about what discipleship looks like. And I think for me, one thing that I'm learning as a father is, is being vulnerable and, and showing my kids weakness because they need to see that daddy needs Jesus. And that's one of the things that, that I try as hard as it is, is to show them when, when I make a mistake, like to ask for forgiveness or when I, you know, I'm, I got some road rage or something. And, and I'm just like, that was not right, guys, (laughs) you know, and just kind of having that vulnerability with them and showing them, I need Jesus too. This is what, Hmm. this is what I do. And so it's kind of modeling in a weird way, modeling weakness, right? Because in our weakness, he's made strong.
0: Yeah. Ethan, I I really love hearing you talk about um, parenting and raising your four boys and not just hearing about it, but even Um, all the chances that I've had to watch you do it and actually watch both of you do that um, really has been a joy and an inspiration and an encouragement to me. So uh, I I almost wish that our, you know, for the, for our listeners, they're hearing you talk about it. Maybe um, you're giving examples, you're uh, maybe even presenting some theoretical things or some uh, theological truths, um, but man i I wish we could give them a glimpse into what the both of you do on a regular day-to-day basis in raising your your children um because i think that will would be way more uh it would just teach so much faster and and better than (laughs) even this podcast can um but but a question that i have for both of you is you know i think growing up or even nowadays there are a lot of uh maybe stereotypes the right word or just um, trends when it comes to, um, kids who grew up in ministry families, whether they are maybe missionary kids, pastors, kids, you know, I'm one of those myself. And, um, I, I do think that there are some unique challenges to raising children, uh, when you are, you yourself are doing full-time ministry. Um, and, and so I, I guess my question for both of you is, are there things that you think about as a pastor, you know, um, in raising your families or as a, you know, as a ministry worker um, with navigators, like are, are there things that you have to think about or that you have been thinking about um, when it comes to raising your children that are unique because of the roles that you both have when it comes to what God has called you to?
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot to that, you know, and, you know, because I, I have the opportunity and privilege of, of, preaching pretty much every week. Uh, I often draw examples or illustrations from my own home life. Right. And I've, and I've had to learn to space those out or, you know, be, uh, be wise about how often I use, you know, my family and especially my kids as examples and just even in passing you know my oldest we've had conversations about it cuz he's he's now you know our our four younger ones they go to their sunday school classes at the at the time when i'm preaching our oldest one is now sitting and, and he's part of our worship service now when i'm preaching and he's he's told me that you know when i start an illustration with let me tell you something about my family uh that he 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 tenses up a little bit right and he feels like there's eyes that are on him. Right. And so it is that reality of living sort of in the fishbowl and for our congregation, their perception of my family or my children is shaped a lot by the stories that I tell. And so I have to be very careful about that. And so one of the things that we try to be intentional about is helping the people and the the other kids, the other families in our church, get to know our children and our family really well so that it's not only the stories they hear from the pulpit that are shaping their perception of who my kids are and what they you know so I want them to have their own personality I want them to have their own you know their group of friends who know them for who they are and not for what I expect them to be or how I present them before the congregation. And so, you know, for me personally, I've spent a lot more time scaling back on, you know, illustrations on, on my family and that sort of thing, even though they're really, they're, they're helpful for me, right. They're helpful, I think, to, to make a point, but um, just being careful about that. And, and maybe actually just drawing from my own, you know, personal experience from, from being a kid um, in those situations. But yeah, I think there is a tremendous amount of responsibility in, um, because I think because naturally people will look to the pastor's family or the missionaries family as sort of a model family, right? Whether that's fair or not. Uh, and that 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 comes with that, that's part of the territory of being a leader. And so I think we do take that very seriously. And um, we do take that responsibility as something that we need to um, steward carefully. And so I I'm. I'm also very careful to tell my kids that this is not something that because you're you know the the pastor's family, that you have to be perfect, that you have to put on a show, that you have to you know play a role. Uh, I want you to be honest about who you are. I want you to live as God has called you. And uh, my wife and I, Jenny, try to protect our kids from you know people's expectations or talking to them in a way that would suggest that they need to act a certain way or speak a certain way. And so we're very sensitive to those sort of, to those sort of things. And I think our, our congregation has been very gracious and generous in that way. I think they've gotten a, they've gotten a chance to know our family well, to the point that they aren't making assumptions about our kids or that they're putting these expectations on our kids. And so I think for, for us, a lot of it is just developing relationship and um, being genuine so that they, they recognize like what, what Ethan said earlier, like, just because we're the pastor's family doesn't mean that we need Jesus any less. Hmm. We need, we need that grace. Right. And we need his um, his forgiveness and his, his love on our lives just as much as we're trying to express that to the rest of our congregation. But
2: yeah, I think it's a challenge because one, one of the privileges we've had is we get to connect with um, quite a bit of missionary kids uh, discipling one MK, a couple MKs, uh, and Annie's a pastor's kid herself. And I think one of the challenges is, is, you know, when your parents or your dad or something from what I hear is their profession is ministry. And it's almost, I've, it seems like a lot of the kids in a lot of ways get neglected, you know, with their own spiritual growth and, and so that's something that I think Annie and I are really trying to focus and be aware of, um, like why does Dad go out, to, you know, for connect with this person? And and I see it in myself so much. It's it's I'm, I'm with people quite a bit, you know, refugees, asylum seekers, does a lot of needs. And so many times I can come back and I just I just give my kids the leftover of who I am. Uh, and so we're really trying to. Really building good rhythms of what it looks like to have connect time with our kids, and then for our kids to know that they also can connect with God. Um, What I hear from a lot of MKs is that they feel distant from God, that they feel like they can't connect because with the MK world, there's a lot of instability because, you know, they might go to one country, they're kind of bouncing around to different countries. So there's a lot of that instability. And I remember one, one of them saying, it's like, they're praying together as a family, and the family, the parents were like, we, we were called to this other country. And then he was like, well, I pray and I don't feel like I'm called to this country. So does that mean that God doesn't talk to me? Because he he put that on your heart, you know, and so." there's a lot of that kind of disconnect of, of, yeah, my parents are calling me to this and and that, and then the instability of all those things. And so we're, we're really trying to focus on how do we keep the lines of connection open with our kids and then with our kids and God, like how, do, how do we create space? How do we create an environment of connection for them? And I think, yeah, Annie's, really being a pastor's kid herself and growing some of the challenges of like what Jalen said of being in a fishbowl and not, not wanting to shame her parents, not wanting to embarrass them and behaving, you know, certain ways and, um, things like that. She's very aware of those things and she does a great job, I think, at protecting our kids from those things.
1: Yeah. And, and John, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're a pastor's kid. how how did you experience that what was sort of your what is your perspective on growing up in a pastor's in a pastor's family
0: yeah you know i mean i think i echo a lot of the things that both of you guys have talked about and and maybe even like you said ethan then annie has herself experienced um but that there have been things in my own life that when i look back i think when you're living in it you don't really think about it um but in retrospect um i look back and you know my, my dad was um, the English pastor at the church we grew up at. He was, I feel like he was fairly well known. I mean, it's every every couple of guests we have on here mentions something about the fact that that they knew him. And um, I think for me in particular, one of the, the real challenges was, um, you know, my dad passed away when I was really young and I felt like I knew more about him from what other people would tell me about him than uh, just you know, in my own experience with him because it was such a, um, short amount of time. And so a lot of the stories that I was hearing about him were like about him as a pastor and the impact that he had on people. And and those were all good things. Um, you know, things that, that, um, were, uh, ways that he impacted people, but, you know, kind of like your, your thought Jalen about, um, how you want to make sure that your church knows your children as, um, as individuals, not just in the ministry context. I think that was something that, um, it took me a while to kind of learn more about that. And um, I, I'm thankful because, you know, as I've gotten older, I've had chances to, you know, talk to my mom about, you know, who my dad was and not just from the ministry context, but, you know, as as a father and as a husband and and those are good things. And, and I will say that also, I think, um, again, maybe because of, you uh, the fact that he passed away um, relatively early um, and had a very big impact on people. There was a lot of time growing up where I felt like there was a lot of pressure to live up to his legacy. And especially as I felt the Lord calling me into pastoral ministry, there was in some ways, you know, me feeling like, do I have to be just like him or do I have to end up serving in the same places that that he served, Uh, whether it was at CCUC or in Hong Kong? Um, and, and so I think there was some pressure, but a lot of that I think was internalized, not necessarily from other people. It was pressure that I put on myself, and and so I think that was definitely one of the challenges. But the flip side of that, though, and, and I, do, I do want to make this clear, is that as much as there was pressure, it was also a really wonderful legacy that I wanted to live up to. It's it's a legacy that I'm proud of, um, you know, that uh, that we still meet people today that knew my dad in some ministry context and he made an impact on them even 30 years later and uh or something that they remember 30 years later um and so i think for me that's something that i'm i'm glad for and i'm thankful for that it's a part of my story um and yeah so i i think i can empathize with both of you not necessarily as a father but i empathize with both of the 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 challenges and also the the weighty responsibility that you both have in raising your children um, and especially raising your children as people who are in full-time ministry because I think there's, there's some added challenge to that. Mm-hmm. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.